Welcome to Kindly Gifted. I'm your host, Kate Tarantiva, and I can't wait to unwrap the world of influence with you. Every day, your gifted episodes, see what I did there, to help you become fluent in the business of creativity and learn the best kept industry secrets to creating an online presence worth remembering. It's really like having a momager on speed dial. So let's dive into it. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Chandler. Welcome to Kindly Gifted. I'm so excited to have you here because this has been, you guys, this has been so long in the making. I think I've been badgering Chandler to get on this show for like months. (laughs) I'm like, please, bitch. (laughs) I'm so excited to have you here. You are the internet's trademark queen, truly such a, a powerful resource on all things intellectual property. And I'm so excited to have you here to talk about how people can have a bodyguard for their brand. I love it. So my name is Chandler. Um, I have my own virtual law firm. I help entrepreneurs secure rights to their intellectual property and own their brand. I also do a little bit of everything. So I also tattoo people. Um, I am currently in the works of getting certified as a scuba diver. And I'm also, so I don't know if you saw that I'm taking singing lessons. You told me this last time and I love that for you. Uh, I wrote a song and oh, period. I'll tell you about it after this because you're going to die. The oh my God. When is the EP dropping? I am so excited. Pre-save on Spotify. Um, You're going to lose it. It's a Love. whole moment. It's a whole moment. So. Mm-hmm. You have so many different hobbies, which is awesome. But also I've personally bought your DIY trademark program and it's incredible your whole thing is about making all of this knowledge so accessible and I wish more attorneys did that obviously I know you're like please don't because I like the space and dominating the space yeah. Yeah. yeah but tell us a little bit about why having a trademark is so important because I feel people understand maybe the general aspect of what a trademark is or have seen people talk about it on social media especially when celebrities trademark things but why is that so important for somebody who has a brand or is thinking about a brand having a trademark Absolutely. So this is kind of two-sided, right? One, you don't own your brand unless you have a trademark. So you, a lot of people think, well, I started my brand, so I own it. Like I've, I've created this, I've built it from the ground up. So it's mine. And that's entirely false. It's, it could be someone else's. You're just, you know, infringing on their IP. Uh, so you do not own your brand unless you have a federally registered trademark. I was talking to someone the other day and she was telling me about how she had all these different state trademarks and she's like someone's coming after me like i got a cease and desist um you know what do i do but i I have a trademark and i'm like well not really you you don't state trademark really isn't going to do much for you you need a federally registered trademark so Mm. now we're having to go into a full rebrand process and so number one you do not own your brand unless you secure rights to it with a trademark but also you leave yourself open to so much liability because people can come after you right? If you are infringing on their brand, number one, even if you're doing it unintentionally, and number two, someone could come and steal your brand. So even if you're not infringing on someone's brand, they're like, 
straw is a good idea and she hasn't trademarked it yet. Yeah, I'm going to snatch that up. I'm going to go trademark it and I'm going to build this whole empire with it, right? And if it's someone who has more money, more time, more resources than you do, they could scale it 10 times quicker and you're just sitting there like, what the fuck? Mm, So it's not about if you were using that name first, it's about who essentially filed for the federal trademark first, right? Mm-hmm. That's First crazy. So I remember seeing on the, on the internet a while. I mean, this happens all the time, you know, small business and the celebrity swoops in and takes the name. But recently, I think it was with Road, Hailey Bieber's beauty brand. There was a small fashion brand that was using that name for years, but I guess they didn't trademark it or something. I don't know. And so I think they did. If we're talking oh. about the same situation, I believe they did trademark it. I think it was because it was in a different category. So when you own, right, when you have a trademark, you have to do, you, you own it in connection with how you use it. So certain things can coexist. For example, Dove Soap versus Dove Chocolate. Same mm-hmm. brand, but they can coexist because you're not going to go to the soap aisle and eat it like it's candy and you're not going to go candy aisle, rub it all over your body like it's soap. There's no confusion there. Mm-hmm. So I think what the road team did um is there like oh well this is in a different category this is a fashion label we're gonna start a makeup label right but the issue and the problem with that situation is because Hailey Bieber is so well known they are automatically just going to associate road with the other brand that already existed and it created confusion because of namely her status Mm-mm. And already the recognition associated with that name in general. That's so interesting. How did you get into trademark law and intellectual property and ultimately what drove you into that field? It fell into my lab and it is like the best thing that ever happened to me. So when I, first of all, so when I went to law school, I was like, I'm going for father's rights. So I have, you know, interesting childhood growing up and stuff like that. So I was really passionate about father's rights. And that is, I come hell or high water, I was going to be a father's rights advocate. And then I got into, uh, you know, I was in law school and I was taking all these classes. And I just remember getting so triggered and heated. And like, I, I was the girl that was constantly raising my hand, especially in the family law class. Like I was piping off, like going back and forth. And I was just like, I, I can't, I can't live like this. Um, I can't live in a way where I'm constantly just getting so, you know, I was like personally invested in these matters. And so I was like, okay, I can't like continue to live in like such a traumatized state on the daily. Yeah. So then I was like, I think I'm going to go into criminal law because I I'm would be great at litigation, obviously, me in yes. a courtroom. That's actually what I wanted to do before I fell into mm-hmm. art direction was either criminal law or international law. Ooh, I could so see that. I could well, because so I speak multiple languages. So my dad was like, this just makes sense. Like, just go into that. But that's so funny that you were considering criminal law as well. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So I was interning for a while working with a criminal lawyer. And it was like, the way that we were bouncing around all day long, like, I swear to God, from 7am to 7pm, we did not even stop to eat. And I got done with the day. And I was just like, this is fucking hell. And when it comes to litigation and law, you can only practice in the state you're licensed in. Because, mm. right, like all the ethics rules and stuff like that. So you're limited to one location and you can't serve people outside of that location. Like if someone's like, oh, I, I have a case in uh, like a different state, I wouldn't be able to help them. I could only help people in Arizona. And I was just so like. You have to like take the bar exam for that state or whatever mm-hmm. and get 
Oh, so it's like a whole, yeah. Right. And I was like, God, this sucks. And so trademarks just kind of fell into my lap because my mentor for IP work, she actually had, has a program that taught everyone like other lawyers, how to start and build your own trademark firm. Oh, cool. Okay. So that's how I got into it because I was like, oh my God, wait, trademarks are federal. So I can help people in all 50 States. I can help people all over. So yeah, that sounds fun. I'm not tied to a specific location. I can work from wherever. I can work remote. I don't have to show up to court every day. I don't have to get dressed up. I don't have to. It's paperless. It's virtual, remote, help people all over. Um, Yeah, sounds like the dream to me. So I was like, I want to reverse engineer my life. I don't want to have to like make my life fit my career. I want to make my career fit my life. Right. And that's what I wanted. I always wanted the the time and location freedom. And so that's how I dove into trademarks. And I'm happy to say I have that. You also have very different type of clientele from usual trademark attorney. What made you want to service online businesses or independent brands, women-owned brands? Why did you go towards these smaller names and help with that as opposed to, you know, the more traditional aspect of trademark law. Right. Yeah. Well, first of all, I am not just like an average lawyer, right? So a lot of corporate, like if you're super corporate-y, you probably are not going to love me or mesh well with me, right? So number one, that. And number two, I don't want to work with people who are super stiff or who are, you know, I want to work with people who are really interesting. They have passions. They have purpose. They have a mission and they're doing really cool things. Yeah. When it comes to the online space, it was like, okay, I, I kind of entered it and started my firm at a time where the online space was like popping off. Like people were like starting online businesses left and right. And they started right before COVID hit. And so then even more popped up in COVID. Everyone was online business. And just because you have an online business, that doesn't mean that laws don't apply to you. That doesn't mean that you're exempt from the rules of business or the way you should do things. You can, I don't care if you're an online business, you can still get hit with an infringement suit. You still need a trademark. You still need these things. So I wanted to help really build a bridge and, uh, you know, help close that gap between this world of law that people are honestly just kind of oblivious to. They don't pay attention to, they don't think matters. And, all things, all things legal. And then the people running their businesses online. You have like some of the coolest clients. And I think you've created such a safe space for anybody to ask questions. And also specifically women, because I feel like in more traditional law environments, it's very male dominated and maybe you don't feel as comfortable to ask certain questions. So I very much admire the space that you've built online. Thank you. Because <laughs> I've been told I come across as intimidating too. <laughs> and I'm like, listen, I swear to God, there is something about intelligent women that sets off men. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh. Look at my comment section on TikTok. Right. right. And yeah. I'm intimidating to the people who are coming after my clients, but I'm not intimidating to my clients. Like, 
Right. That's why they come to you as opposed to somebody else. Right. right. <laughs> okay. So if somebody's thinking about starting a brand, let's say, what is the optimal time to get a trademark from your perspective? Is it once you've started building, maybe you're unsure if this is going to work out. And once it does, you're thinking like, okay, maybe I should trademark this. Or are you somebody who would recommend somebody trademark this from the very beginning? What are the pros and cons of each? I know that's like a lot of questions. <laughs> oh, good questions. Um, so for, I would say from the very beginning, and there's, there's kind of two aspects to this, right? If you are creating a brand where, I mean, the thing is, is if you wait, you're taking on a large amount of risk. Mm. And so it's not just if, if someone, if you are infringing on someone's brand, and they want to come for you and you're like, oh, sorry, I, I actually, I didn't, I didn't mean to, it wasn't my intention. It doesn't matter what your intention was. They can, number one, still sue you. And they can also disengorge you of all the profits you make if you're infringing on their brand. So they can say, not only are we going to sue you, we're going to take everything you made using this brand name. That mm-hmm. any business out of business, right? Like that's, that's really shitty. Uh, so but the pro to waiting, right, is a lot of people when you're just starting, well, I don't have the money to hire a lawyer to do it for me. Um, I'm not sure if it's going to work. I'm not, things like that. I will say for every business I've done, every, everything I've created, very first thing I will do is get a trademark filed. That's like my first step before I even begin working on anything else. Like as soon as I have the name locked in, very first thing I do is file a trademark because when it comes to trademarks, it's first to file. And the way that things, they fly off the charts for myself. And hey, you know, I've, I've seen this stuff because I've had it happen to me personally. And it's, I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm going to file a trademark. And then I wait three days because I'm like, oh, I'm doing client work. I'm doing, you know, I'll get to it in a couple of days. Someone gone, has gone on and filed something too similar within a span of three days. And then I'm SOL. And I, I think the longer you wait, especially in something like this, the more it's kind of like you just assume that nobody else has come up with the same name you have. Nobody has come up with the same concept. Like you're the only genius sitting on an island with this name. 100%. Because I mean, and too, it's like when you're starting, the the best time really to work with a lawyer when you're is when you're starting and bringing your brand to life because we want to, what we call clear the name. We want to make sure there's no one out there that's using something the same or already similar, right? Because envision this, you're like, I am going to start this brand and let's, let's call it a, a makeup brand, right? You're going to start a makeup brand and mm-hmm. you have this name and you invest in, you're like, okay, what do I need to do? to start making sales. I need to get a website. I need to get the branding done. I need to get copywriting and I need to uh, invest in the actual product itself. And not only the product, but the packaging of the product, like the container, and then also the, the box that you're selling it in. You invest all this money into that, but you don't clear the name first and you don't file a trademark. And then you go to do it, say, six months to a year down the road. And I have to be the one to tell you, you cannot launch this. You will instantly get hit with an infringement lawsuit. They're going to disengorge you of all your profits. And all of this stuff that you just invested in is literally like down the drain. All the packaging. Right, right. All the initial branding, design. And you want to do that because you're like, I got to sell a pro. But, you know, yes, is, is it super cheap working with a lawyer? 
No, but I guarantee you it's going to save you 10 times more money in the long run and in the scheme of things than if you just avoid it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but you also have the the DIY program too. Yeah. If somebody like wanted to do that on their own. It's great. I highly recommend. I mean, it takes some time to figure things out and you have to Google certain terms if you don't get it. But like, it's an excellent resource to do it yourself. It literally walks people through. A to Z, what I do for my client, like the whole process, like that is. I've never seen anything like that before. I think it's fucking genius. It was so good. I I love it. I love it. Okay, how does I know you mentioned federal U.S. trademarks? How does that differ from international trademarking? And when should somebody consider that versus merely like a U.S. trademark? question. So when it comes to U.S. trademarks, right, we're talking about the USPTO, United States Trademark and Patent Office. Um, And so that's going to cover all 50 states. When it comes to things international, I would say, okay, are you going to be selling products in those? Are you going to be internationally selling products or selling your services? And if you are, the other thing to think about is if you're getting all these things, maybe you're getting them manufactured in a different country then you're definitely going to want an international trademark there too, right? Because it's like, okay, it covers you in 50 states. Say you file a U.S. application, but you're getting all your stuff manufactured in China. What's going to stop them from creating it and starting to sell it over in China and then starting to sell it over here? Like nothing. So you want to make sure it's protected in those ways if you are trying to go international. Right, right, right. Yeah. How would somebody like look into resources of securing international trademarks? Is that something a U.S. lawyer can help them do or do they have to? Oh, okay. Yeah. So there's two different ways to do it. You can either file like internationally, like with a lawyer and they do it through their system and data. So similar to like USPTO, each country is going to have their own, right? Yeah. Um, you could do it through that or we can do it through it's called a madrid protocol here and we can file for multiple different countries but it's all based on the u.s application so it's like we file the u.s application and then we file for these other countries but these country these countries uh trademark applications are all based on the u.s application so the u.s application has to go through everything has to be good here for these to finalize and go through it all kind of works together in that way That's so interesting. mm -hmm. I feel like a lot of small businesses like don't consider that maybe because they don't have, you know, the robust legal teams that somebody Mm -hmm. like Skims or, you know, even Haley Bieber, whoever may have to to take care of those things for them. And, and they, I will say like, they are more expensive, like internet, just the filing fees alone really do add up when you're doing international. It, I mean, as expected, but they do, they do get expensive, even with the filing fees when you're trying to do international. So I, I mean, I think that for people who are starting product-based businesses that plan on, you know, expanding and being really big, then that's when I would really consider it. But if it's just for, you know, I'm a service provider and I'm offering services to people mainly here, then I would say it's not as big of a deal. It wouldn't be something to be scared of necessarily. That's so interesting. Okay. What about, let's say, name trademarking? I've seen a lot of celebrities or influencers try to trademark their own name. What is the benefit of doing something like that? 
oh, it's one of my favorite things to talk about. Yeah. So personal brands, right? So yeah. everyone's like, I'm starting a personal brand. Personal brands are like the, even honestly, like stronger now than, you know, just business based brands. Well, when you have a personal brand, you still have to own it and you still have to protect it. Do you remember the Haley Page incident with the wedding dress? Yes. Okay. So I used to work in bridal and that was, they were one of the company that I worked for was called Justin Alexander and Haley Page was one of our competitors for one of the brands under the company portfolio. And yeah, I remember hearing about that whole, well, she signed away. <laughs> she was working with, I, I don't even know what company she was working with relevant, honestly, but she signed away all her IP rights. And so when she left, because she was like, I'm going to go do my own thing, right? Because she was well-known. Everyone wanted her stuff. like, So they wanted to work with her. She was like, I'm going to go do my own thing. She couldn't use her name anymore. because oh, wait, wait, That's kind of like Kat Von D too, right? And and Bobby Brown? Uh, I do not know about that situation. So oh, okay. So, oh my God. Okay. So Bobby Brown, the makeup artist, yeah. has, she, I mean, you, you know her, her, beauty brand of like the same name. So Estee Lauder, I believe bought this brand 26, 27 years ago. Anyways. So she also gave her name to them and they said as part of the contract that she cannot start another beauty brand for 25 years. And it's crazy because people will literally on Instagram or social media in general tag her personal Instagram as being like, oh my God, I love Bobby Brown. They'll tag her and they mean to tag the, the makeup brand. And it's gotten to the point where I think she has an automatic response that's like, this is not my brand anymore. I'm not affiliated with this, blah, blah, blah. But yeah, and then um, on the day when that contract expired, Basically the 25th year on the dot, she started Jones Road Beauty. It's a big fuck you to Estee Lauder. She can't call it Bobby Brown. That's now owned by them. Same with Kat Von D. She did the same thing when when KVD Beauty was bought by Kendo. She basically gave her name away. And I think even in interviews years after, the common thing she'd bring up all the time was like, that's one of my biggest regrets, giving away my name because that's not a brand that I stand by any longer. The formulations are different. The ads are different, whatever. But nevertheless, it's still being associated with my personal brand as an artist. Yep. Yep. 100%. And then you have no control over it. You assign everything away. You have no control over what they do, but it's still attached to your name, which again, as a personal brand, that's the most valuable thing you have because if people like you, they're going to trust you, right? Yeah. And they trust you, they want to buy from you and then they're buying stuff that they don't even like and you're like, well, I'm not associated to it, but you are. You are. Because that's like the one thing I told myself is I would never, if I started a brand, I would never put my name on the door as the name of the brand. One, because like I worked for someone like that and it comes with a different level of ego as a leader and whatever. But also because should you get acquired, that's part of the deal. Like now that name is whoever the fuck acquired you. 100%. 100%. It's that's so crazy. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I guess if an influencer or personal brand or public figure were to have a name that's their name for the brand, they would probably have to trademark that? I would trademark it and I wouldn't assign the rights. Oh my God. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, what is one of maybe like the craziest things like, oh, I don't know if this is even gonna like, I don't even know if this is something you're gonna talk about. Feel free to tell me. What is one of the craziest things that you've seen as a trademark attorney? Um, I think like, hmm, hmm. I would say, it, I mean, it's not really crazy because it, I mean, like it happens, right? So like, I don't, I don't feel like things are, anything is like too crazy for multiple uh-huh. now, but just like legitimately disengorgement of profits. Like it's, it's something that does happen. Like hundreds of thousands of dollars. Because somebody failed to trademark. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. Like that happens. It's not just like, Oh, it's not going to happen to me. Right. Like, no, it happens. I've seen it happen. That's crazy. What are some of your suggestions when a client has certain financial pushbacks where they're like, I can't afford to have a lawyer on speed dial for these kinds of things. It depends what position you're in, right? If you are on the offense and you're like, I just want to protect myself, but I don't have the money to hire a lawyer yet. Then I would say invest in something like APP, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's still going to give you the knowledge. And then also you get the knowledge on how to enforce your mark and how to monitor your mark. And when I say mark, I mean trademark, because yes, you can file it, but then you also have to enforce it. It's like land. You have to upkeep it. You have to make sure no one else is using it or coming onto your land. And if they are, you got to give them a swift kick off the land. So things like that. Um, So if you're on the offense, invest in educational things that will give you at least a a basis of knowledge on how to start, where to start and, you know, the tools to use on the flip side. If you, if you have gotten a cease and desist and someone's coming after you, you really don't have much of a choice. Like Mm -hmm. you got, you have to talk to a lawyer, right? Like you have to talk to a lawyer. So it's, it's not really an option. You, you got to figure it out and you got to talk to a lawyer. And then from there, it's going to become, okay, do you want to fight it? Or do you just want to be like, you know what? I'm going to rebrand and hope that they're not trying to disengorge you of your profits. Mm -hmm. So when someone comes to me, right, say someone's gotten a cease and desist and they come to me and it's something that they probably could fight. The question is, do they want to fight it? Right. Are they so tied to their brand name that they're like, no, I don't want to change it. I want to fight it. Um, Do they have the funds to actually go back and forth and fight it? Or would they rather just be like, you know, I would rather just rebrand. I don't want to have to go back and forth with this fight. Yada, 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 yada. I mean, the thing is like a rebrand is still expensive. Like if you're, if you're, if you're time-wise, even if you're doing it all on your own time-wise, you're costing yourself a lot of time. But if you're hiring people to help you, right. New graphic designer helping with someone helping you on your website, things like right. that. A new name could change your entire brand messaging strategy and then you need all new copy things like that so either way it can really add up but these are all things that it's like let's just avoid this from the jump and that's <laughs> educate people and say let's just avoid it let's avoid all of these bad things that could happen yeah 100 percent. okay my final question for you would be what is something that you as an attorney would want people to take away from this episode? I got a question. I did a ask me anything on my story yesterday and I got, I got a really good question about what would you say to someone who, to the girlies who want to do it, but they're intimidated, right? Or they're a little nervous when it comes to the legal side of things. And I would say that the consequences 
of not handling the legal side of things are 10 times scarier and 10 times more intimidating than just handling it from the beginning. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's, I feel like legal has a connotation of just automatically being scary, especially because when we see things in the media, we're generally seeing scary stories, right? We're seeing scary things. We're seeing uh, like criminal things happen or we're seeing these crazy big lawsuits. And so people are like, yeah, I just want to tiptoe around all of it and ignore it kind of like out of sight, out of mind sort of thing. And it doesn't have to be that way, right? Like as trademark lawyers, as people for your, as lawyers for your business, we're not someone, we're not the people that you call when you see the red and blue lights behind you, right? We're not the people you call when you're like, oh shit, we're the people that prevent those oh shit scenarios from happening. Mm -hmm. So we don't want it to seem intimidating to come and handle it because that's not the intimidating part. The the intimidating part is what happens if you don't handle it. Right. Yeah. Oh my God. that's, That's such a good piece of advice. I'm so grateful that you came on the show to talk a little bit about intellectual property and trademarks. And I hope that people listening that have personal brands or more traditional companies and businesses will find this helpful. And also again, for literally, I feel like this sounds like this is a sponsored episode, but like literally for the 5,000th time, if you have not checked out APP, which is this, the DIY trademark process that I'm talking about, I personally have it. (laughs) It's amazing. If you have not done so, you need to do it. I'm going to put it in the show notes, make it really fucking easy for you to click a button. So you have to go check it out. It's putting me out of a job. I tell you. Literally mind blowing because you could use it over and over and over and over and over. For life. You, it literally eliminates the need for me forever. <laughs> yeah. It's great because you ed- ease people into the conversation, educate them on the terms, all of that. Then you can file on the spot with the program. And then there's the after part where it's how does like send somebody a cease and desist? truly does like you said kind of puts a lawyer out of a job but it is really great and also it's also a good introductory resource even if you do want to work with a lawyer and later you at least know some of the terminology that you can talk to them and explain what's going on and whatnot so I think it's a one thank you thank you and the fact that it's under two hours I will forever be proud of that because some courses are so long and I'm like no we get in and we get to the I've had people be like I went balls deep I bought the course and I submitted my trademark application all in one night (laughs) like I love that. It's that. It's really that easy. I mean, I think the the intimidating part is like the before. You're like, oh my god, sure. like, I'm spending money on something. I don't know if this is going to be effective. And then you're like, I don't know if I'm going to understand. Because I think law in general is historically in this country is not made for the average person. It's an elitist career for a reason. And you're constantly told, like, if you have a problem with these things, you have to go to a lawyer. Don't trust yourself to figure it out. And so you turned all of that on its head, where the average person can figure this out without needing to go get a law degree without immediately needing a lawyer. So it's amazing. I love it. And the other thing that just like grinds my gears is legal zoom, right? Everyone's like, I'm not going to hire you. I no, I learned my, I don't remember if I told you or Nina. Do nothing. I feel like one of you was like, "This Kate, that's embarrassing for you that you did that." And it's true, it's true. But I registered my LLC with LegalZoom, and when I look back, I'm like, I could have saved so much money. You can do it on your own. Like that's like, like that is like the most basic. Please, I beg people. I refuse. It's so funny. I refuse 
That's ones that I will not do for you because you can do it on your own. I tell everyone, no, save your money, go yeah. invest in a contracts or trademarks, like do your LLC on your own. I promise you can do it and you don't need LegalZoom. The thing is, when it comes to LegalZoom, right, and especially when it comes to trademarks, they're a document preparation company. So what they're going to do is they're going to charge you and you're like, oh, I'm getting a deal because they're not charging me as much as a lawyer. Yeah, because When you realize that part that they literally just fill out documents for you, it's truly embarrassing. Like it really is embarrassing to think about the fact that I paid for that. <laughs> the hard part is not the trademark application. That's what I think. People are like, I can file my trademark application on my own. Yeah, you can. Go for it. That, that's not the hard part. The hard part is not physically filling out the application. It's the strategy that goes into it and the clearing of the name to make sure your mark is going to actually go through. Otherwise, you're, and they don't do any of the clearance stuff for you. So you're honestly just wasting time and money. Like Wait, that, you can file trademarks through LegalZoom now too? Yeah. I, I wouldn't trust them to create another LLC for me. So I don't mm -hmm. know if I can. That's what I'm saying. So they're filing all these trademarks for people, but they're not doing any of the strategy to understand how are you using the mark? What all classes we need to file in? What do we, uh, um, the clear, clearing the name, like going through that whole clearance process to make sure you can actually even move forward with the name. So they're just like, sure, we'll fill out, let me give you, give me your money. We're going to fill out this application for you and file it. And then, uh, you know, nine months down the road, you get told, Oh, you actually don't. I've had so many people be like, yeah, I have a trademark. No, you don't. You don't have anything because you're they, like, let me, let me chat. <laughs> so it turns out they got an office action. They were never notified. Nothing ever. Oh, it's yeah. Messy. Messy. Wow. Okay. Well, yeah. Don't go on legal scam, but I'm so grateful that you came on to talk about this and as always appreciate you and your expertise. Yes. Yes. Thank you for having me. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thanks for tuning in to Kindly Gifted. To support the podcast, please leave a review, share with your friends, and don't forget to subscribe. Make sure you follow me on TikTok at KateMob for more creative secrets from the internet's momager. See you on the next episode of Kindly Gifted.